Everyone likes a winner. That's why they sell all those, we're number one, giant foam fingers at stadiums across the country. Obviously, every team can't be number one, but everybody likes to think that they are. Some sports try to determine a champion. The World Series, the Super Bowl, the FedEx Cup, all those kinds of things try to determine who is the best, who is the winner. But there's a problem. Whoever is champion this year has to start all over again next year. That's why they hang those pennants up in the stadiums to to be a reminder, hey, one year we were the winner. What if you could be on the championship team permanently? What if before the season even started, you already knew that you really were number one? That might be boring in sports, but it would be fantastic in life. How would your life be different if you knew you could not lose? In this passage of Scripture in John chapter 16, Jesus has just shared with his disciples some very difficult truths. He told them how he was going to the cross and how soon he would not be with them physically anymore. They would watch as he was arrested, as he was tried, as he was crucified. And then he tells them, the world's going to treat you The very same way. But as we saw last week, that wasn't the end of the story. The cross was not a defeat, but rather an enormous victory that was proven in the event we celebrated last Easter Sunday. The resurrection when Jesus rose from the grave. The disciples, as they stood there in the presence of their Savior, resurrected from the tomb. They would go from horrific sorrow to great joy. But there was more. Jesus was not telling them all of this just so they would know. Here's what he says in verse 33. I have told you these things, and that looks back at all of those things that Jesus has shared with them, all of the trials and tribulations that they would face, the fact that he was going to the cross, the fact that he was not going to be with them physically, and the victory that he was going to win through the cross. All of these things. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble But take heart, I have overcome the world. What does it mean when Jesus says that he has overcome the world? Well, let's take a look at this this morning. This is important for us to understand as believers. First of all, Jesus tells the disciples that he is giving them peace. After the conversation they have just had with Jesus, the last thing the disciples would be feeling at this particular point is peaceful. 
There's no doubt they had some fear. Jesus has told them he's going to die, that he's going to be treated with the same contempt that just common criminals would face in the New Testament day. And he has told them they are going to find the same kind of reception in the New Testament world. They were going to be treated exactly the way that he was being treated. And no matter who you are, no matter how courageous you might be, nobody wants to walk face first into a buzzsaw. And that was basically what Jesus was telling them was going to happen. Then there was some disappointment. They had left everything. They'd left their businesses, they'd left their homes, they'd left their friends, they'd left their hometowns. They'd left everything behind to follow Jesus. They had placed all their hope in this man that they called the Christ. And this is how it was going to end? They were going to watch him be executed? Their enemies were going to win. They could not have imagined a worse outcome. It seemed like all of their hopes and dreams were being snatched away. They had given everything. And it sounded like they were going to wind up with nothing. They could already hear the voices of their family and friends. I told you not to follow that guy. I told you this was what's going to happen. See, now what do you have to show for yourself? You've got nothing. They could hear what everybody was going to say. There was some disappointment. There was some fear. There also was a little bit of combativeness. We hear the words of Peter saying, Oh, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll stay with you to the end. And then Jesus told him that that wasn't quite the way that it was going to work out. But Peter was going to prove him wrong. He brings a sword to Gethsemane. Not exactly the normal equipment for a prayer meeting. But he was going to fight to the death when the soldiers came to arrest the Savior. And, and as it turns out, he did fight. He managed to cut off an ear. Not of a soldier, of just a lowly servant who probably didn't want to be there in the first place. But at this point, Peter was thinking, you know, I'll just take things into my own hands. I'll prove to Jesus that I'll change everything. So there was some disappointment. There was some fear. There was maybe even a little bit of we'll take care of this kind of attitude. But there was not a single disciple after Jesus had shared with them all of the terrible things that were going to happen. There was none of them that day that was sitting there saying, boy, I feel peaceful. Peace was the last thing they were thinking about. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus promised to them. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And the word that Jesus uses, it's not just a momentary kind of passing emotion. It is a, a permanent reality. The phrase literally means you will keep on having peace. It won't go away. It won't stop. 
You'll have it forever. He does not tell them that they're not going to have any problems. In fact, he tells them the exact opposite. But peace is not the absence of problems. Peace, real peace that we know in Jesus, cannot be stopped. It cannot be altered by the events of the moment. Our peace in Christ exists despite what we face in this world. Unfortunately, persecution was not limited to the second century, a a reality that we learned all too horribly last weekend when our brothers and sisters in Christ in Sri Lanka faced the terrible tragedy that they faced there. And that's not an isolated incident. Many of you were part of our January Bible study a few weeks ago, and we read some statistics from the organization called Open Door USA. It's an organization that tracks persecution against Christians around the world. Here's just a few of the the horrifying statistics today. This is not back in, in the New Testament day. This is right now, 2019, our day. Every month in our world, 255 Christians are murdered. Every month, 104 Christians are abducted. Every month, 180 Christian women are assaulted. Every month, 66 churches are attacked. Every month, 160 Christians are imprisoned without trial. All of those events happening simply because they claim the name of Jesus. Interesting. Interestingly, when, when Open Door contacts some of these groups and says to them, what can we do? How can we help you? What, what can we send you? What, what kind of aid can we provide? Those believers don't ask that we as their fellow believers pray that their persecutions will end. That's not what they ask. They ask us to pray that they will have courage to continue to share the good news of Christ with their friends and family. How can they have that kind of of fortitude, that kind of, of confidence to move forward despite being attacked, despite being arrested, despite being killed for their faith? How can they do that? Because they have peace. As Paul describes it, the peace that passeth understanding, that makes sense in human minds. But to the believer, we get it. We understand this world does not have the final word. The things that are happening to us now, they're but a brief moment in the face of eternity. In Jesus We have peace. We can know this peace that that Jesus promised to His disciples. And through His words here in the Scripture, He's promising this to us today. I've told you these things so that in Me you might have peace. What turmoil are you going through this morning? What has got your life all stirred up today? Don't forget the words 
of your Savior. I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But that's not just an empty promise. That's not just a pat on the head saying, hope you're okay. Hope things go all right for you today. No. Jesus backed it up. He doesn't just say that in me you may have peace. Then he adds a guarantee to that. And what a guarantee it is. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus promised peace and then he backs it up. Because I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Yeah, the disciples were going to have some trouble. No doubt of that. But this world would not have the final word. Jesus uses some terminology of power. The the word for overcome, it means to conquer or to be victorious. In the New Testament, it is always used to describe a spiritual victory. It's the complete victory that John describes in his letter that we Call 1 John in chapter 5, verse 4. He writes, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is this that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You, you can tell where John's getting that passage. <laughs> He's remembering. Back in that moment when he was so frightened, when Jesus was telling him and the other disciples these horrible things that was going to happen to Jesus and then telling them that, that terrible things were going to happen to them too. But then he, John remembers, wait, but Jesus promised us peace. And then he said this amazing thing. He said he's overcome the world. And that had such a profound impact on John that these many years later, when he's writing to his fellow believers, seeking to encourage him, he says it not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus has overcome the world. It's the victory that Paul describes in his his letter to fellow believers in Rome. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. Same word used there. We are more than overcomers through Him who loved us. It is the victory that Jesus would declare from Calvary. When he said in John 19.30, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't mean it was over. He didn't mean this is the final chapter. He meant it's won. It's conquered. The disciples would remember those final words of their Lord and realize that the Roman soldiers didn't take Jesus' life. He gave it willingly. 
Satan didn't win the battle at Calvary. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the final blow to the powers of evil. His declaration that it is finished signaled that the price for our sin had been paid in full. Biblical scholar F.F. Bruce rephrased this passage in this way. As surely as he overcame and triumphed once for you, so surely you that love his name shall triumph in him too. We don't just sing about victory in Jesus. We know victory in Jesus. We don't just gather together in His name. We will leave this place this morning living in His name. Whatever challenge you are facing this morning, whatever difficulty that's going to rear its ugly head at you Monday morning as you go to work or to school, whatever fear or doubt maybe creeping into the corners of your life. Whatever false hope you've had that's let you down, folks, Jesus has changed it all. Because He said, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I encourage you to do something. Many of you do this already. You may just not call it this. A lot of us keep a a prayer list and and we will pray through it each day and we will note those things that God has done and give thanks. And that's, that's great. That's wonderful. Keep doing that. But maybe in light of this verse... Think of some of those things in a little bit different way. Maybe start another list right beside that and call it your overcomer list. And start a list of of ways that you have experienced this truth. Because all of us as believers have, we've all seen God at work in our life and in different unique ways. So write down how God has overcome some of those impossible situations in your life. Maybe it's friends that you prayed for for years and then one day you saw them come to faith in Jesus. Maybe it was an illness that that God miraculously removed from your life or from the life of a friend or a family member. Maybe it was a time in your life when you were in desperate need of some resources and just at the right time, God delivered those resources for you to use. And then, at least once a month, take that list out, read over it, and remind yourself of this promise that Jesus made to you. I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world.
Heavenly Father, you give us examples over and over again, glimpses of ways that you overcome this world. And for that this morning, we, we want to pause just a moment and give you praise, each one of us. Because we can look back at times in our life when, when you've overcome And Lord, as wonderful as those things are, as wonderful as those examples are, as wonderful as those miracles are that you've wrought within our life, God, they're just a glimpse of the overwhelming victory that you won for us at the cross. And so this morning we give you praise, we give you thanksgiving that you have overcome. And God, I lift to you the people in this room this morning. There's a lot of hurt and heartache in this world. You know that. You lived it. You walked the paths that we walked. You know the disappointment and the hurt that we feel. But God, help us to see that in the midst of all of that, we can have peace. Because this world doesn't win. You have overcome the world. God, help us live in that truth. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.